Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And with us today is Rebecca Gott, who is a distinguished engineer at IBM, and she's responsible for, amongst other things, blockchain. And we haven't really talked about blockchain on that uh, platform, so uh, we thought this would be a, a good opportunity to do it. Um, I was hoping that you could start uh, by kind of explaining what the value of blockchain is on a mainframe? Sure, absolutely, Frank. Yeah, happy to do so. So so we have seen traction with, with blockchain running on, on the mainframe since, you know, gosh, our initial launch of our IBM blockchain platform managed service uh, in the IBM cloud back in the 2016 timeframe. And so when IBM uh, pursued offering its first blockchain offering as a managed service in the IBM cloud, that was actually deployed on IBM Z machines or IBM Linux One machines or Z Linux. And, uh, and that is essentially uh, what drove that decision was uh, what we could do on the IBM Z platform with regard to security and securing that blockchain workload. And so, so we've had you know hundreds of clients on board uh, that, that initial offering you know, since the 2016 timeframe, and as Hyperledger Fabric has continued to evolve, um, you know, over the last few years, uh, there have been continuous upgrades to Fabric, offering new client value uh, to deploy. But that was originally the I'll say the initial um, traction of IBM Z with blockchain. It's always kind of. Um, I have a hard time getting my mind around why I would use the mainframe uh, for blockchain if it's participating in a in an environment where you know not everything is is mainframe, right? It's just another peer in, in the entire environment. So why would we do it on the mainframe? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. So so maybe I'll go back to essentially the, why we launched it on the mainframe in the IBM cloud just to start with, and. So there, the deployment model was was a little bit different, and it may not be what a lot of people associate with with the blockchain uh, networks being, uh, I'll say, uh, distributed across different you know different compute platforms across different uh, geographically distributed areas, um, you know, much that you associate with I'll say public blockchain networks. So IBM Z and what we what we've done with the IBM blockchain platform. It runs something called a permissioned blockchain network, which has the same some of the same fundamental concepts that are used in public blockchains, mainly around the idea of pure nodes, uh, uh, getting consensus uh, from the participating nodes. But one one key difference is that in in uh, in permissioned blockchain networks, it, it is essentially a um, a known set of participants versus in public blockchain networks like Bitcoin, it could be uh, basically you're anonymous; anyone can participate. And so, if we start, if we start with the context of, of permissioned blockchain networks, um, such as the type that we've deployed in our IBM blockchain platform, leveraging Hyperledger Fabric. Some of these initial deployments, what clients were seeking to do was run consortiums, let's say a consortium of, of, of banks that have uh, come together for, with a common use case, and they, they want a neutral party to host this blockchain network on. 
yet they want privacy with regard to running their own pure nodes within, within this environment. And, and so what we were able to offer on the IBM Z platform was a, a technology uh, known as secure service container technology. And what that does is it can provide uh, uh, complete isolation between the, the tenant peer nodes, uh, for one, and it also it also prevents anyone with elevated uh, system credentials on the on the cloud administrator side from having any access to the code or data running within those those peer nodes. And so it's the isolation and the privacy, the confidentiality of that data, both from um, other peer nodes um, within that consortium, and then also protection against any any threat from from the cloud administrators, and so these consortium networks were essentially all co-located, or the, the consortium would have its entire deployment on a single IBM Z machine, just with the isolation uh, provided to those peers for the participating consortium members provided through the secure service container technology that we provide uh, within the IBM Z platform. And so some of the, the early traction really was from, from this consortium point of view. And, and then if we look at other, other benefits of the Z platform in, in this environment is uh, our, our, uh, our cryptography, both in terms of performance and, and protection of the, of the root key material. So integrated into the uh, IBM blockchain platform enterprise offering uh, hosted on the IBM Z platform in the cloud, uh, the blockchain network has the, um, basically has access and is, is leveraging our Crypto Express hardware security module in the ZCAC. And that is a, um, that's the highest rated hardware security uh, module, hardware security module available uh, in the commercial space. It's rated out of uh, FIPS, a Federal Information Processing Standard 140-2 level four level of certification. And what that means is that if there's any uh, any tampering uh, with that that H with that with that hardware security module, the tampering is detected, and the the uh, the root key material that protects all of the private keys used in the blockchain deployment, that root key material is uh, pretty much immediately zeroed out um, within a hundred nanoseconds. Uh, that root key material is, is basically destroyed and. So what that means is that you can be fully assured that your private keys that are used in a blockchain deployment are fully protected. And so where the and the, the use case of the private key material in blockchain networks is around the signing of transactions. And, and so you have a, a private key and a, a corresponding public key that is that is used for the signing of these transactions. And so it's it's absolutely critically important that you protect the private key material when you're signing the transactions. And so we have awesome protection of, of that private key material um, through our hardware security module 
But then we also have acceleration for, for the cryptographic functions that a blockchain network uses. And so that provides a performance benefit uh, as well. And so, so there's a lot of uh, encryption and hashing going on in a blockchain deployment. And so our, our technology helps both with the security and the performance of the workload. So is the permissionness enforced by the blockchain or by some sort of security enforcement that goes around it? Because it, it sounds like blockchain is is watching and inspecting keys um, for validity and whether they belong in the consortium and then leveraging the crypto facility. Is is that about right? So the the, the, the permissionness of uh, of the blockchain network is actually controlled through the uh, through the hyperledger fabric, uh, a function called a members members services function, and so essentially this is the uh, essentially the the, um, the module the uh, the framework that provides this uh, the certificate authorities for the corresponding peer nodes and for the ordering service nodes. So so I'll say it's an artifact of of the protocol of hyperledger fabric protocol itself, and and then is is leveraged in the deployment. I'm wondering if you could kind of walk us through uh, one of these transactions, because uh, I think it's important, at least for me, it's important to understand um, why I would use uh, this instead of more standard transaction managers. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so blockchain, you know, blockchain in a in a in a uh, in a private uh, blockchain network, the use cases uh, typically you want to basically see is there is there a need um, is there a distrust amongst members in in the uh, in that in the consortium, and. What is you really want to focus on on the use case and the attributes of the use case that that basically makes sense, and so where where it's seen traction is around around use cases where there's a um, I'll say lack of visibility in the state of the transaction ac across I'll say stakeholders of that of that same transaction. And so, so as as an example, we can use the supply chain. Um, so we had a, a, a partnership with Maersk, which is the global Danish shipping giant. And so, what their goal was to essentially put their global shipping uh, supply chain on a, on a blockchain. And one of the very first steps for kind of understanding the use case for that uh, for that supply chain. Was was basically looking at all of the participants. You know who who is touching that that shipment as it progresses, those assets uh, as is, as it progresses through the supply chain. And so so one key thing you want to look at is what are the assets that are being ledgered on that blockchain, and who are the participants touching that asset in some way, changing changing its state. Uh, you know how how is the ownership of that asset changed? And what they what they actually found in, in the global shipping uh, use case was that as as assets progressed through the global shipping supply chain, there were many point to point communications between different participants. Maybe it's the uh, it's the the producer um, the producer to the initial uh, uh, vendor shipping company that's picking up the product. 
from the, the shipping company that is doing the initial shipment of, of that product from trucks to a particular port to, for that to get loaded onto ships. And, and then from there, you go to the, to the port authority, the regulators inspecting the shipments and looking at the, at the, uh, at the product, the manifests associated with, with what's being shipped. And what they found is that there are many, many different point-to-point -point, uh, uh, communications, uh, hundreds of them, and but there's little visibility uh, across that overall shipping supply chain of what the state of those assets are um, for for that shipment. And and so what blockchain can do is it can provide as a as a framework for a better visibility to those uh, of the asset as it progresses along the supply chain and consensus amongst the, uh, the stakeholders in terms of the state of that asset and uh, offer a, a essentially a means for faster resolution when disputes occur. So, so let's say, um, you know, there's a handoff of the shipment from the the trucking the trucking shipping company to uh, to the uh, to the uh, folks that take ownership of the product for ship, uh, shipment upon actual ships uh, that go off into the high seas. If one side says that you know that you know the product is weighed, it's you know it has different measurements associated with it. Um, that is all all logged, and it you sign off that this has been delivered to the uh, to the to the uh, shipping company that will put it on the on the actual boats for the shipment. Then you have that point in time transaction recorded on the blockchain, where you see who who signed off on it, what were the attributes of that product as it was signed off for, and it gives visibility to that for the you know to the to the rest of the participants that have visibility to that transaction, and so so it's provided a I'll say a a means for. Um, better visibility, uh, better efficiencies, reduced fraud uh, for these these you know very complex global shipping supply chains, as as one example. In in those pictures, the uh, the thing that I'm trying to get my my head around is is I know that the blockchain each block doesn't contain a lot of information, so how to um, how do you define uh, the, the amount of data that gets put into that? Is it is it at the shipping container level? Is it at um, individual item levels? How does how does that work? Do you know? Okay. Yeah. So you actually you hit on a good term that that we may have glossed over is is the term of block. And so so what is a block in a blockchain? And so this is. So this, the block is a is a um, is essentially a, a set of transactions that um, that have made it through a, a process called consensus, meaning that there's an agreement for that transaction um, that's put in a block and then put and committed to the to the blockchain. And so, so if you were to kind of open up a block, it's it's literally a, a set of transactions, and it could be one transaction or it could be many transactions. 
and and so so the the block size is really uh, a data construct size and different protocol different blockchain protocols actually vary uh, what the block size can be uh, for for different reasons and and so if um, if you look at something like uh, Bitcoin, they have a, a limited block size, and they do that for uh, for 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 various uh, I'll say pacing and performance reasons um, for how many blocks or how many transit transactions they want committed to a block. Um, there can also be limits on transaction sizes in terms of the bytes of that transaction, um, but that can actually vary from protocol to protocol. Um, in Hyperledger Fabric, it actually allows for quite a bit of, of variability. Um, in term, basically, you can choose how large you want those blocks to be. Um, there's always trade-offs in these decisions in terms of uh, performance and uh, performance being one of the primary ones. So, but all 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 blockchains have a, have the similar uh, characteristic that each each block is is linked to its predecessor block through the use of a cryptographic hash, and where the cryptographic hash of the prior block is basically propagated to the to the following block on the chain, and and so hence the the term blockchain. Um, right, and so so what that's for is to basically offer the immutability of the of the blockchain, meaning that if any any transaction, uh, if any block was tampered with, let's say a transaction was modified, or uh, altered, deleted, transaction was added, and what that would do is change the the hash of that of that block, and so so that tampering is is immediately detected, and and so as as you can guess, you know if if you know that any tampering is detected, it it a dissuades any tampering to begin with, and if that such tampering did occur, it would basically break break the chain um, at that point. So is is this a type of discussion that starts with a client at a, at a technical level or a security um, discussion or you know compliance compatibility like do you or is it like we want blockchain tell us why like what what typically starts the conversation? The, the conversation absolutely has to start with the use case. There has to be a a thought out use case uh, that actually makes sense for blockchain technology. Um, because as, as you can imagine, uh, blockchain is a new technology. So, so for, for many existing use cases, um, you know, if we use our supply chain use case as an example, there's mechanisms and processes in place uh, that basically handle, you know, the tracking of those, of the, of the assets as they progress through the, through the shipping supply chains. And so, so it has to start with the use case discussion on what are the benefits? Um, you know, what are the the good sides and the downsides of a of a blockchain implementation to uh, to basically solve for this use case, and and so there has so that's where it has to start. Um, does the use case make sense? Because you know, often you know, there are simpler you know, there could be simpler technologies. Is there some you know database scheme that you could use to to achieve you know at least partial of the goal? And is is that good enough? Is it is the use? Do the benefits that blockchain bring uh, uh, basically help solve for something that can't be solved for otherwise, and that is important to the client? And so, so that tends to be the first part of the discussion, and then the second part of the discussion uh, it has to be around 
who who are the essentially who are the participants in that use case in getting the agreement? And this tends to be the long pull in any blockchain deployment, getting agreement around the use case and the assets that would be being uh, essentially tracked on the blockchain, and and also the governance of that blockchain network going forward. So there um, there has to be yeah an understanding of of the use case that the complexity of the technology um, is, is something that's warranted for the value that it brings. You mentioned early on um, about a secure container. What, where does the secure container um, play in this whole thing? And what is it? Sure, yeah. So secure service container technology um, is, is a, you can think of it as a, a specialized firmware load that we can make available on Z Linux uh, uh, logical partitions on an IBM Z box. And this secure service container technology provides for some, some very special attributes uh, with regard to security and the confidential, confidentiality of the data. Um, one attribute it brings is essentially provides a pervasive encryption environment. Um, such that all of the all of the data, uh, let's say you're hosting a peer node in a, in, in a secure service container, um, all of the data run out to disk is is fully encrypted. All of the uh, communication points are, are 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 fully encrypted, and with with no uh, with no change. Uh, I'll do a pause there. So it's a per pervasive encryption environment, and and two you're running in an area of, of protected memory in the IBM Z machine um, where the secure service, uh, the, the memory uh, allocated or associated with that secure service container logical partition um, is, is, is protected. And by that, I mean, if, if, the, if you needed to do a memory dump for, for debug purposes, that memory dump is is fully encrypted, and so there's no I'll say uh, ability to scrape memory and determine uh, and basically see any anything in the clear um, because the, the memory dumps are, are fully encrypted, um, and and then the finally uh, a security trait associated with secure service container is the. Only the only access uh, to that uh, that secure service container logical partition on that that IBM Z box um, is through a set of, of, of predefined APIs, and so that is there's no uh, uh, SSH secure shell access uh, into that and into that logical partition or any of the VMs uh, running in that logical partition. So meaning that, that that no one on the cloud administrator side can, can basically uh, SSH into that secure service container uh, environment and, and basically see what's going on. So, so it's, it's a uh, very, I'll say, locked down environment from, from the runtime environment to secure diagnostics um, that basically is protecting the, the workload that's running within that secure service container. 
So obviously the blockchain and, and specifically blockchain on Z has, has come a long way since, you know, like a Skunk Works project and like, was it 2015, something like that. Um, what is like the, the, the new hotness? Like where, where do I go and how do I get involved with blockchain uh, on Z, uh, making sure that I'm like completely caught up to date running with all the newest stuff? Yeah. So, so where we're seeing a lot of traction right now in, in the blockchain space is, is actually in what I'll refer to as the digital assets uh, space. And, and so, so the IBM approach to, to our blockchain deployment, as I said, is started with uh, a managed service uh, leveraging Hyperledger Fabric and offered in the IBM cloud. And we now have uh, essentially an, an on-premise version or a multi-cloud version where you can deploy IBM blockchain platform, you know, on-prem to your IBM Z machines um, as, as well. And so there's a lot of flexibility in that. And so we see, you know, clients adopting on-prem, uh, on-premises uh, uh, deployments of, of blockchain for in perhaps data residency reasons, they want to host this uh, their blockchain networks themselves in house, and we have a number of clients doing exactly that, and leveraging all of the you know the additional enhancements coming coming down the road with with Hyperledger Fabric uh, functionality, and so we we considered we continue to see adoption there, but but the new space that that we're seeing a lot of traction in is this, this associated but different space that, uh, that we refer to as digital assets. And so this is really more the space that gets into the public blockchain networks, where in the public blockchain networks, there, there are some similarities to the type of deployment I've described in the, in the private blockchain deployments in that you know each block is linked to the predecessor block there's you know this idea of putting transactions uh, you know into a block and ha having the participants coming to a consensus but there's some fundamental differences in, in public blockchain deployments like bitcoin or ethereum that uh, basically allow anyone to participate and the the uh, the way your your identity um, in a public blockchain network like Bitcoin is strictly around your public key address. And so in a public blockchain network, and we'll use Bitcoin as an example, essentially your identity is that public key. And, and so what, what is very, and the assets as attract on a Bitcoin are, are essentially receipts associated with transfers to uh, transfers of bitcoin to that public key address and to 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 let's say i i have let's say i have some bitcoin and i want to send that bitcoin i have to have the private i have to have my private key to to authorize trying to send that that private uh um, to, to try to send, let's say I'm trying to send Frank some Bitcoin. I'll have to sign that transaction with my private key. And so, so what that means is that in this in this world of public blockchain networks, what's absolutely paramount is is protection of that private key because because in a in a the keys, if you own that private key material, you essentially own the asset because the asset itself is a, is a native blockchain asset, and that is a cryptocurrency versus, you know, what in the supply chain use case, 
there, there is no blockchain native asset there. We are basically using blockchain as a, as a mechanism to uh, help provide uh, better insights, uh, visibility to the tracking of those, assets, uh, those physical assets on a blockchain network. In cryptocurrencies, the asset itself is, is basically a blockchain native asset. And the keys are what, that private key is what allows you to, to basically transfer my Bitcoin, uh, let's say to Frank. And so if I had my private key, you know, exposed in clear text, you know, let's say I just have my private key on my laptop here. Uh, it's in it's in clear text in memory. And uh, some hacker basically manages to find my private key. They can then basically use that private key to to, to transfer my Bitcoin assets to, uh, you know, to another party. And there's there's no recourse for that. And so, so the big, I'll say the big traction we're seeing for, for IBM Z in this, this kind of this public blockchain space where that's used for uh, essentially ledgering blockchain native assets is protection, is the paramount protection of that private key material. And here, some of the same attributes that I described uh, in terms of why it brings value to a private network actually even is, is all the more important in this public blockchain space where we need to make sure that those private keys are, are protected. And, and again, through our use of the uh, underlying secure service container technology uh, to uh, uh, framework that offers the protection against, you know, rogue insiders um, and the, uh, the hardware security module um, capabilities that we have in the IBM Z material or uh, IBM Z machine is, is, is bar none, you know, the, the best technology there is out there for, for protecting these types of digital assets. And so we actually have a new offering out uh, on IBMZ called the HyperProtect Digital Assets Platform. And this was launched just earlier this year. And what that offering is comprised of is, is actually an on-premises deployment of what we refer to as HyperProtect virtual servers, which is underpinned by the same secure service container technology. And, and leveraging our, our Crypto Express hardware security module for protection of the private keys. And so, so that's actually where we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, very interesting uh, use cases uh, uh, develop in, and I'll say in this larger blockchain space. Well, we're, we're coming up on the, the bottom of the hour here. And so uh, I wanna thank you, uh, Rebecca, for, um, for joining us and, and telling us about blockchain. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure, Frank. So yeah. I could talk about blockchain all, all day. <laughs> so I'm always, always happy to do so. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Thank you both. Thank you. Well, Matt, Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.